Welcome to a Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello, and welcome to Masonian Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we hear the stories of food entrepreneurs. We're glad you've joined us today. We continue to bring you stories of hope and inspiration for all of our listeners out there. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Hi, Sarah Masoni. Hey, how are you, Sarah? <laughs> I'm really good. It's good to see you. And nice you know, to see you too. last week on the show, we had two buddies, and I know the show hasn't aired yet, but when it does, um, and they told us about the cookies. So it was Carney and Tiffany. They told us about their cookies that were at the Made in Oregon store. Oh, and did I did you go. I did. I went. Oh. <laughs> so I had a delivery that was out by the um, Washington Square Mall and there's okay. me in Oregon in there. So I went in and I was kind of poking around and they have them right up at the register in these little bins with a big picture of Carney and a description and you can pick up what pick out what you want and then they tie a cute little bow around it. And um, so it was really fun to hear them talk about their new project and then go and, and um, get Good it. You. Yeah, and my daughter loved them. She said like they were... Yeah, I kept hearing her like sneak and hear these little like sounds of unwrapping. <laughs> and then I would hear, mmm, lemony. <laughs> That's so it was, funny. Yeah, it was really fun to go experience that hot off the press after they were telling us about it. That's not all you did last week, though. I saw that you were collecting gifts for the Equitable Giving Circle. Yeah, so they were doing, yeah, totally. Um, they were doing a fundraiser and people can still drop off at the Nightwood Society. So they're putting together some care packages for um, Asian elders in the community. They found people to give things to. They're t- accepting any kind of donations of something that would be nice for a gift basket. So what I was doing was taking donations at my farmer's market stand. And if people brought me something for the gift basket, I gave them free sauce. <laughs> so, wow. and then I'm going to go drop them off tomorrow at the Nightwood. So if people, want to give donations they're still accepting them you can either give them give them to nightwood or to where is nightwood society it's on broadway in northeast um it's an event space normally i think now i'm i'm actually not really sure what they're doing during this time but um but it's yeah you can look it up they're on instagram and and online and they're they're open in there i think they might be do like doing small private catering for now but sounds good Yeah. So everybody pay attention to that. Give to our people. And we have a really fun guest here with us today. I don't want to make her wait in the wings any longer. Uh, I'm excited to introduce you to our guest. We have Stacy Givens here. She's the owner of the Side Yard Farm. And Stacy grows local food for the local community on her one acre farm and catering company in Northeast Portland. Welcome, Stacy. 
Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really glad that you're here today. I haven't seen you in what feels like an extraordinary amount of time. <laughs> it's been a minute. I, I've seen your partner at, at uh, a farmer's market out in Savi's uh, last summer. Yeah. yeah, it's been a minute for you. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's good to see your face. <laughs> uh, we want to help connect you to people, to our listeners and other makers out there. Can you give people your social media handles so they can follow along on your journey? Sure. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at The Side Yard Farm. And we're also on Facebook, The Side Yard Farm. Um, yeah. And we also have our website, sideyardpdx.com. And that's where all our events are listed. And we actually are kicking off our event season in the beginning of April. So perfect timing for this podcast. Do you awesome. also have like a video pod, a video cast called Seed Plate Eat? Oh yeah. We, we only did one video last year, but we hit it pretty hard the year prior. And, um, it was a, it's a fun, cute little cooking show. Um, basically exploring every part of the plant. So what we do here at the farm is whole plant cooking. So, you know, usually when something bolts, people freak out, something goes to seed, they're like, ah, let's compost it. Let's, you know, start over. But it's like, wait, explore the flavors of that. Can you like, for example, lovage, I'm obsessed with it. People know that I love lovage. I um, noticed that <laughs> <laughs> a lot. It's, it's weird. It's an obsession, but it's like the one plant that I think I do the most with from like the beginning of its life to the end of its life. And it comes back every year. Um, so it's the first thing to pop up in spring. It's already showing their little crown. So I'm super stoked. Um, I even made t-shirts that are, I want to know what love bitch want you. <laughs> um, so thanks to my friend Althea Potter. Yeah, we're both obsessed with love itch, But That's cool. Um, but yeah, like basically um, about the show though, it's exploring the whole plant's life. So for example, lovage. Um, and the, you know, fresh leaves are great for pesto, marinades, salsa verdes, different things like that. Um, once it gets to a certain stage, they're perfect for Bloody Mary straws. So that's pretty cool. Cause the flavor tastes like cardamom and celery had a baby. So mm. like you get that like celery flavor. So it's perfect with a bloody, we do love it salt, which we just dehydrate the leaves and mix with salt. Um, and then as it gets a lot bigger, you could do stuff with the pollen, especially for garnish, dry it out like fennel pollen. Um, and then once it, uh, has its fresh seeds, you could totally candy those. And we've done an ice cream in the past with salt and straw with candy lovage seeds in it. And it was delicious. Wow. And I'm not done. Then, <laughs> then you have this eight foot tall, cute, like all these stalks. So we cut those down, dry them out in the greenhouse, cut them up into cute little, like one foot bundles. And then, um, we offer them to the chefs. We sell produce to but we also use them for our dinners and put them in the smoker to smoke fish, especially just that little kiss at the end there. So good. That's so fun. I love that you do that. And I also love that you love lovage. I, um, at one point in time pitched an article, we had a past guest on, uh, Heather Arndt Anderson, and she was the, um, the ed one of the writing editors at sunset. So I had pitched an article for her to write about ladies who lovage and I, and you were in it. It was good. Cause I, I make a chimichurri that I sell at the farmer's market with, with the lovage that we grow. So I was going to have all of us here in town that were into like making stuff with it. And she was going to write about it. And then stupid COVID ruined it because she, <laughs> she got laid off from Not sunset. And so we'll have to, wherever oh she, wherever she lands, that's, I'm sure she'll do it. Is that a, like an indigenous 
species here or is that just an herb that has somehow come to the Oregon proper? I think it's made its way here because I've learned over the years of growing it that every time I have somebody from Germany here, they flip out and they're like, it's just, this is all over Germany. It's wild all over Germany. So more than a handful of people have told me that, that are from Germany. So I think it just came from Europe and made its way here. This is all me just making this up, but I'm assuming so. <laughs> and plus like Lovage hasn't really hit the scene. Like we started growing it like 12 seasons ago and people were always afraid to buy it. Like chefs and stuff, like, what is this thing? What is this? And I would just sneak it in their bag and like, just try it, just try it. And finally now it's like everybody's growing it, which is awesome. More people need to know about it. And I only really knew what it was. I hadn't met you yet, but um, but I when I got our house, they had planted it for the goats to eat in the backyard. And so yeah. we have tons of lovage and mint because that's what the goats were constantly eating because they always had food. Because when it produces, it's like huge amounts and then it reseeds itself. Like it's a really great plant for that. But that's the only way that I, I had never heard of it before then. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. That's cool. But yeah, we hope to do start doing seed plate eat, seed plate eat again. Um, we were filming that with Sean Linehan, who I'm sure you know from just being the most amazing food and farm photographer in Portland. So um, we'll get back on that soon. I hope we'll see. Yeah, I hope you bring it back. I mean, you know, we never know what's going to happen, but it's really it was really fun. I, well. I watched the one where you're with cooking with your mom, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I. Uh, you know, I spent some time on Crete in Greece a long time ago in my younger days, and I just love that whole culture. And I, um, I was trying to help pay the rent for where I was staying, so I'd work in the kitchen at night at the little spot I was staying at. Yeah, wow. and so I was like, "Whoa, I love listening to your mom." I know it's hard to understand her. A lot of people, it's like I have to kind of translate for them, even though she's speaking English. It's like, yeah. Thick. Oh, it's delightful being here for so many years, but, um, no, it was cute. It was a, it was really nice to have my mom on the show. Yeah. I like that. Everybody should watch it. Oh, thanks. So Stacey, we want to tell people about your farm and where it is. So let's maybe just kind of start there. Where, where is your farm and how long have you been there for? Yeah. When did it start? Yeah. Uh, we started in 2009 and we are located in the Northeast Coley neighborhood. And we started on a quarter acre, made our way to a third of an acre. And now we're on one full acre. Um, we love the Coley neighborhood. It's amazing. It's, it's diverse, um, really strong community here. Uh, people that just love food and farming. And uh, we all kind of just have each other's backs, you know? And there's a lot of homesteaders in this neighborhood too. You'll be going for a walk. There's no sidewalks either, by the way, which is funny to watch people park that you know aren't from this neighborhood. They don't know what to do. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, like you walk by people's houses and there's a bunch of goats or there's ducks and there's chickens and there's geese and there's a bunch of bees. I mean, everywhere you go in the Coley neighborhood, somebody's homesteading and we love it here. So. so when you walk up to your place, what's the first thing that you see? Um, well, I see a big, huge blue sign that says Side Yard Farm and Kitchen with our logo. Um, and then our farm gate. And it's very inviting. We have a big red barn and then you see one full acre planted with a bunch of goodies. And right now we're, we're pretty much almost seated and planted in every bed at this point. Wow. That's great. Sarah Masoni, have you never been there before? 
I haven't. Uh, We need to change that immediately. (laughs) But I was trying to figure out, Stacey, if you and I were on a panel a long time ago. Yes, I think that funny little place on over on the east side. It was like an evening thing. Yes, when your name popped up to do the podcast, I'm like, I know this human. Yeah, I think we <laughs> sat on a funny panel that I don't even remember what it was about, but I'm pretty sure that's where we met many years ago. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, well, hello again. Well, yeah. Sarah, the the farm is a super magical place. And I think the first time that I went there, I didn't know what I was coming to. I did also have the same problem with not being, not knowing where to park or how to park because (laughs) it is like that. I was like, am I parking in someone's yard? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It feels that way, but you go there and it's so beautiful. And, uh, you know, I've been to a lot of farms, but Stacy has this way of making like all the plantings are perfect (laughs) and they look beautiful and they're flourishing and she does a lot with flowers and um, everything is so colorful and beautiful so when you walk in there it's just like the first thing I think that like takes your breath away is that everything just looks so wonderful but then also she's always cooking things so there's like smoke coming out of the the smoker and the kitchen and um, it smells delicious but it smells like plants and I think that it's because of maybe the lovage that you're roasting or I'm not I don't know I don't know what kind of magic you're brewing but it's amazing thank you yeah I did strategically plant or have our herb beds are like the first thing when you walk up so you have like a hundred feet basically of all these different types of herbs um and most people are like what I always smell so what is that and then after a while they're like oh I'm walking by some herbs obviously yeah they're all different herbs so um, yeah, we have about 27, like 50 foot by three foot beds and, uh, I'm a Capricorn. So everything has to be perfect. I'm kind of a perfectionist. I'm crazy <laughs> like that. Yes. I'm crazy. Uh, yeah. And we, uh, use no till, um, everything is just done by hand and we work really hard on the farm. We have a great crew every year, this year, especially got some really excited people on the farm. So we've been working hard and, um, it's organic, right? 100% organic. We're not certified organic because what's the point? It's Portland and like our relationships we've built over the years with chefs. They trust us and that's the only way to farm. And you know. Well, just to let you know, if you change your mind, Department of Ag has a $750 rebate to help cover that cost. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, they've had it for years. <laughs> Didn't know that. Well, then I might as well. I always just said, why spend the money if, you know? Yeah. It's to encourage folks. Um, I think you get it through the Agricultural Development and Marketing Division. Thank you for that. Um, through the Oregon Department of Ag. Great. I'll look into that. So I want people to understand what the different kinds of things that you do on the farm, because you do a lot of things that are really special to, I mean, I think it's because you're doing things that are important for you, but you so lovingly share them with everyone else. So can you talk about the different kinds of events that you put on at the farm? Sure. Uh, That was very sweet the way you said that. Thank you. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. You know, the, the farm is a, I started realizing, you know, this is like our, like I said, our 13th season and as I'm getting older and like COVID made me slow way down, which was something I really, really needed. I think a lot of business owners felt that kind of like they were balancing out their, their work and personal life during COVID. Um, 
I feel like I'm very lucky that I got that opportunity. Yes, panic set in, of course. But with that realization, I had I just I realized how much of like my childhood, the way I was raised, is incorporated into Side Yard. It's huge. Um, so yeah, we host a ton of events. Uh, we do monthly events starting in April, uh, farm brunches, dinners, bike and movie nights, uh, yoga on the farm, um, a grief group called the lost table. We yeah. do, um, and then our monthly BIPOC and queer market, which we started last year in response to COVID. Um, and yeah. my, since like my catering company, everything was getting pushed to the following year and postponed and canceled. I was like, well, I have this because the farm is also a venue space. We host a ton of weddings here, private events. Um, I was like, well, shit, now every Saturday is open. <laughs> this is great. Let's do something good here. And just, well, you know, as safe as we can. We had a lot of volunteers just like offered their time to help manage just huge market that ended up being a real huge success. And we started up again next month, which I'm really excited about. But you have comedy night too, right? Oh yeah. We didn't do it at all last year because of COVID. Um, yeah, I forget about that sometimes. We do comedy night. Sometimes we mix bike and movie night with comedy night and the kickoff to bike and movie night while you're waiting. I want to come and tell vegetable jokes at you comedy did. night. Hey, everybody's <laughs> welcome. Yeah. So comedy nights, it's just, we're hitting it really hard this year with events again. And we're not, you know, we're very here, but you know, we, we got, we got the COVID safety on, like lockdown. We know what's up now and we're not going to ever do full capacity this whole season. You know, it just doesn't feel right. And it's not worth it. Not at all. Um, yeah. And then starting in May, it's my favorite event. It's Greek Easter. We call it Greekster. I usually do it with my mom. We've been doing it for the last nine years and we host like over a hundred people out. We roast lamb on the like wood fire grill. We break a bunch of plates. We tell people to BYOP, to break, not to eat off of. Um, (laughs) We have ouzo. We do Greek dancing. It's just like, it's like you're coming over for a Greek meal like at my family's house. What's your favorite ouzo, by the way? Oh God. I just get the one that has like the blue and white label that they have at the (laughs) liquor store. There's no favorite because I'm not actually a big fan of it. I just oh. get it for everybody to experience it. Our favorite is Uzo. I think it has a big 12 on it. Oh yeah. It's the bomb. <laughs> I'll have to try that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I honestly just get, I get it for people because if they've never experienced it, you should. And, but I'm not a huge fan. I'm more of a whiskey girl myself. <laughs> Same. But I think that it's fun to experience it. If you haven't my across the street neighbors, when I were, was growing up were Greek and they owned a lot of the Greek restaurants that were here in town. Yeah. And, um, and it was just so fun to even at that point when I was a kid, just watch the adults experience it who had never had it, you know, yeah. and it, it's just like a fun thing if you've never done it. And I think people, are you going to do the Greek stir again this year? Just your mom's not going to be there. My mom is not coming up for it, which is good. I mean, she's yeah, she's 80, 80 years old and um, she's down in Los Angeles area. And I just don't feel right about it, but all her recipes are in this head right here and you know, I've made them so many times with her and without her and we'll miss her, but we will celebrate and honor her and, you know, have maybe you can put her on the big screen and have her bless the meal or something. That'd be cool. Sarah, you have good ideas. (laughs) 
I'm like, well, we did that. We did that at our pop-up dinners. I wanted to have, I had some interviews of people from around the state and I tried to put up on the screen, but the lighting, it was too sunny out. So we couldn't really see it, but I had a bunch of stuff recorded. I thought that would be a great way to. That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. And I have your whole playlist. We're always just playing a whole long hours and hours long of Greek music, Greek dance music and stuff. But I got some Greeks coming for sure that I know that come every year and they're like, we'll start off the dance party and we'll do this and that, you know, I know how to do some of the line dances. I'll, I think it's I might fun. have to come to this party. <laughs> hey, I got a question for you about the USDA loan that you got for your property. It sounds yeah. like that was quite a challenge, but you were the first urban farm to get that kind of funding in the U S can you tell totally. us about that? Yeah, I will. Um, I'm so happy it's behind me now. Um, it, it was pretty challenging and definitely took over over a year, well over a year to get funded. But my plan for this property and my landlords, they're like my Portland parents, has always been to preserve it as an urban farm because it's zoned R10. If it, you know, it could be a billion condos and apartments, but that's not going to happen. Um, so I wanted to preserve it as an urban farm forever. And I hit up the USDA and said, Hey, I want to apply for this woman farmer's loan. I've been farming for at that point, you know, 11 years. And they're like, sorry, basically like, you're not a real farmer, you know, you're zoned residential, you know? And I'm like, no, no, it doesn't work like that. I feed the community. Uh, I farm this land. I want to own this land. And how do I need to make that happen? And they just kept turning me down. So I finally got a hold of Earl Blumenauer, who's an amazing man, and that I've met with a couple times, um, or people from his office about urban agriculture, because he really cares. And um, they totally went to bat for me and talked to the head of FSA, USDA. And then I got an email that just said, go ahead and apply. That's great. And I went into the office at the USDA and there was this huge stack of all my paperwork and they're like, you must be Stacy. Sit down. We know about you. Kind of like, all right. <laughs> you won. <laughs> uh-huh. And, you know, it, it just totally worked and it opens doors now for, you know, other urban farmers that have really cool landlords that have a piece of property somewhere because there's no house on this property and that want to make that work for somebody because that's the problem with urban farming. You're on it for a few years and then, People usually want to sell it off at that point and build a house or get it developed. And, you know, urban farms are disappearing left and right. And yeah, this one's not, though. So have you worked with OSU Extensional because they have an urban farm program, the small farms program? Have you connected with OSU? Yeah, I mean, I work a lot with Culinary Breeding Network. Oh, OK. So, so Lane, Lane's a good Lane friend Simon. of mine. He's always always on it if there's something I need to know. Um and same with Heidi as well. So they're oh, good. awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, cool. since you um, just brought up Culinary Breeding Network, I saw that you have a um, seed share that is done with them. Can you tell people about it? Sure. Yeah. It's a Garden Start CSA subscription. And actually the last, this is the last week to actually sign up for it. So the first pickup is March 26th. Um, and it's a monthly CS garden start CSA. So you get like boxes full of all different types of starts. And Lane and I were just talking about different varieties of just from our travel. She goes to Italy a lot on her tours and I go to Japan a lot for our seed to plate tours. And we always connect with farmers out there. That's what the 
the whole tour is about. Um, and we've, you know, got some really awesome varieties of things through Japan or through Italy that are now here in the States. So we try to make it interesting. Um, like for example, the one people are getting this week for their first share in spring, there's like minutina in it, like herbastella. People are like, what's that? It's a, it's a green, it's delicious. It's kind of nutty, almondy flavor. It's grown a lot in Italy. It's great raw, or you could use it in like agnoletti filling, ravioli filling. It's awesome. Um, like sunchokes, Japanese bunching onions, um, and then a shit ton of more other stuff. But so you collect seeds, obviously, as well. With some things, yes, like especially herbs. But um, mostly, these are plant starts that people are getting. They're not getting. They're going to get some packets of seeds, but we've kind of come a full blown little nursery since COVID. Okay. And so we're hitting it hard with starts this year. So we thought, why not have a CSA subscription where they get plant starts and seeds every month, and we plan their garden with them. That's cool. Yeah. I think that's a really fun way to do it, especially for people who want to, you know, be a little adventurous because I think sometimes when we plant, you know, home gardens, it's like you go and buy the same things every time because it's just like, you, you know how to grow it, but it, or, you know, maybe you're unfamiliar with something or how to use it. But I think that, um, you know, you're really going to be teaching people about new ways to eat and new kinds of produce, which I think is really cool. When, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that is so smart. I love it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. And, you know, people were really pumped last year about starting their own gardens uh, during COVID. So the, for those people that are still doing that, we're here for you. I want to do that. We need to um, take a take quick a break. break and we'll come back and talk about some of the amazing food that you make on the farm. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, welcome back. I can't wait to ask Stacy about all the delicious food she's preparing out there at the farm. <laughs> so, Stacy, I just want people to understand that when you say that you're a catering business and that you cater and that you make these dinners, that is true. But I think that... Um, to really understand what you do, they need to know that you make every part of what they're being served. So, um, you know, if you, if you see the plates of food that you put out, they're like covered in all these herbs and flowers, and even the salt is salt that you've infused and you pickle all the things from the farm and like every single ingredient that you put on there, you have made and you have put yourself into and you've put all this love into. And so it's so much different. I feel like saying that you are catering is, doesn't give you enough <laughs> credit. It doesn't really tell me what you do. Yeah. So I looked at the, um, the next farm dinner that you have and it looks I amazing. I even remember, like I posted, it, I think last night or the night before, and I'm like, like, you'll have to tell me the menu. Honestly. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the menu. Okay. So it starts out with focaccia bread and dip is what you write. But you make the bread, right? Don't oh. you make all the bread that's there? So you're making all the bread. You're It's served with dried farm flowers and herbs, white balsamic vinegar. And then you do um, gnocchi, which you also make. And it's with cardoons and mushrooms. 
And I don't even know what this is. Herbastella? What's that? Oh, yeah. That's that minutina green, the Italian green I was talking about. Oh, okay. That's almondy and kind of nutty. I've never had it. I want to have it. Like, it looks kind of like grass, oh, really? like serrated grass. And probably people would think it's a, a weed, to be honest. But it's Yeah. <laughs> it sounds cool. I want to try it. I want to try everything. And then you do um, green garlic and preserved lemon cream. So all of those things, you've made every component that's in it. Yeah, we actually have a little lemon tree now that we've had for a few years, a Meyer lemon. So we preserved a ton of the lemons a couple months back. And uh, gnocchi, everything's made from scratch. Um, I love that the kitchen is right here on the farm. We just run out and grab what we need sometimes. We're like, oh, you know what? This would be really good in there. Let's try that. So when I make a menu, I literally, if it's already nighttime and I'm like sitting on the couch, like watching something stupid like 90 Day Fiance and writing a menu, I'm like, eyes closed, like go, I go through every row of the farm and be like, Hey, we got this, this will be ready. Da, 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 da. Um, so it's like super fresh. We harvest the day that we're prepping. Like that's how fresh it is. Um, we love garnishing with edible flowers, stuff like that. And yeah, we make a lot of our breads for like the, any complicated breads. I have to give credit to my friend, Dylan. Um, he is at, uh, the head chef and baker over at Camus, Camus Mills down in, yeah, Yeah. but he was, uh, at little T like from the beginning for about eight years. He's like master baker. He's a really good friend of mine and he makes us all the complicated ones. Um, but for the simple stuff like focaccia, we got that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me finish talking about the menu because there's more things up here. So then you do, um, a farmer salad, which has you know, the greens that you grow, Easter egg radish, snow peas, charred celtus. I don't know what that is. No, yeah, what is it? Um, Chinese tower lettuce. So right now at the stage is that it looks like a baby lettuce, but as it grows, it grows an actual white, long, tall stalk, like whitish light green. And you pull the leaves off as it's growing, or at least we do. Farm, all farmers are different. At the point of when you harvest, all the leaves should be off of it, except for the top head. It's like a little romaine head on top. But what you do is you grow it for the stock. And um, it's really interesting. And we use it, like we char it, we pickle it. You could shave it, eat it raw. And it's this beautiful translucent lime green color inside. Um, We absolutely love it here. And it's also something that packs really well into our beds because like I said, we pull the leaves off as it grows. So we can space it very close to each other. And that's kind of like our goal here. We do a lot of um, like... Oh my God. What am I trying to say? Like interplanting. And so like we'll grow a bed of lettuce and in between are bunching onions. Um, we utilize every damn space in these beds. So, but you don't grow your own pigs. Do you? (laughs) No, we do not. (laughs) We, yeah, we, uh, we look to our like local ranchers for that and even other vegetables, to be honest with you, I'm not going to grow storage onions. I'm not going to grow, you know, storage carrots, celery, stuff like that. That's who we look for. Like Fiddlehead Farm, Flying Coyote, Vibrant Valley. Like those are all really good friends of mine that, you know, I hit up and they're always part of our dinners and brunches as well. So we that's always give a shout out when we use their products. That's the thing that's really cool is that I feel like every time I've ever been there, it's a really great way to meet other farmers and other producers and other makers because there's always people that are part of your world and your farm that are there at the dinners because they've either contributed something or whatever it is there in some way, I feel like I make new buddies every time I go there for an event. It's super fun. Yeah. And that's the point. It's like, it's usually family style except for COVID times. Do you, 
Did yeah. you know that Fazio Farms is growing wheat in Portland? What? Yeah. I did not know that. You're full of information. I'm making a note. I love yeah, Sarah, every time I feel like people are on the show, they always write down all the things that Sarah says. And we really should have a t-shirt that she's like the idea lady because she really is. She gives everybody, and you know, it's like, it's just like, hey, do you know about this thing? Yeah. <laughs> like, I love no. that. Where love have you been my whole life? <laughs> yeah. I'm like always head down cooking and farming. And it's like, people are like, didn't you hear about this huge thing in the news? And I'm like, what <laughs> happened? No. I'm yeah. <clears throat> I didn't so, finish I didn't finish going over the menu. I want to hear Can about keep the going. Okay. Pig. Yeah. So, then you get into the pork, which is a 6-hour roasted pork shoulder with grilled roots, pickled magnolia petal salsa. That sounds awesome. You can and eat those? You yes. can eat them. Yeah, totally. Well, There's a tree try. just around the corner. I'm going to go try and pick some steel magnolias. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna steal them. good one. Good Thank one. <laughs> Anybody under 30 is gonna be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> True. Yeah. And then you, you do a rhubarb upside down cake with glazed rhubarb rose. I mean, everything. It's like it sounds so wonderful. I know it's wonderful because I, I haven't had this exact version, but I've had the things there and I just want everyone to experience it. So I know that um, you just are going to open up right now for people to come back on the farm, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've been doing a lot of takeout um, through winter and even last summer, we literally changed everything and we give people a takeout bag and we're still going to do that too, honestly, but they have a choice to dine in or take out, but I let them know in the instructions, like if they're dining in, please, if you don't feel like eating out of a box, bring your own plates, picnic blanket, yeah. whatever. Hey, so it was are awesome. you going to be bottling your local beverages, like your cocktails? I heard that restaurants can bottle cocktails. Are you going to do that? Definitely. We did that for uh, Valentine's Day. We made a really fun one because we make fun syrups out of like fig leaves and a love it's cherry one, which will be coming up in May, which is really popular every year. A shiso syrup, which is pretty popular Sweet. too. So our cocktails are pretty farm driven, obviously like everything else. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but yeah, we, we usually set up a, our own bar here. So people get their takeout bag and they could choose to dine in or take out and they could even buy a bottle of wine to go local wine. Um, so we make it very easy for people and we have such a large space here that last summer people did like kind of camp out. They'd bring their camping chairs and a picnic blanket. People were on dates. They have like bouquet of flowers with a vase with candles. Wow. Um, we would sometimes have themes like maybe a lip sync battle. So we had the big screen up that we use for movie nights. And um, since people can't hold microphones, it's like, well then lip sync and dance in front of the screen. And that was super entertaining <laughs> or like movie nights, and, like dinner and a movie. So people could watch a movie spaced apart and still have dinner. We just kept coming up with stuff to make people feel normal. You know? I think we should talk a little bit about what you did before you went to the farm, because you worked at so many awesome places in Portland. <clears throat> yeah. But one of them that stood out to me is Raptor Ridge. <laughs> because Annie Schull and I were neighbors when we were growing up in Minnesota. Oh, that's random. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that stint happened like during the farm actually. So I had side yard at that point and they needed a winery chef. I did it for about a year. Um, 
it was a lot of trekking back and forth. And I think I was still maybe in my late twenties, early thirties. I don't know, uh, that I could handle that sort of (laughs) commute and like lugging things around by myself, but it was a fun experience for sure. And that's where I met actually a good friend of mine, Corey Schuster, who has Jackalope wine cellars. He's like my brother. He's been in Japan with us a few times on our trips and we use his wine. Um, so I'm very grateful for that connection through that experience. It's yeah, cool. And something else I found that you're connected with is called Rue Crew. Rue Crew, R-O-U-X Crew. Oh, Rue. Yeah, yeah. Rue. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Rue is an uh, all-woman um, event that is held every fall, like right around September, I believe. Yeah. And it was so cool. They launched their first one a couple of years back and they brought women like really awesome aspiring women from all over the country in the beverage and food industry. Yeah. Weekend of like workshops, events, panels. Uh, we were on a panel and we also hosted a large dinner for him, for them at the farm. That's cool. Uh, But yeah, and they did it this year via, you know, like virtual come pick up food packages, farm brunches, like it did a queer soup night that we partook in. Um, they're just really rad women and, they actually have their hands in a lot of things. They help with Portland flea. Uh, one of them's my neighbor. I, there's three of them. It's Heather, Jenna and, um, Delia and they're badasses. So I'm happy that we're part of that every year. That's cool. Um, I was going to ask you if you could pick one plant that would describe you best, what would it be? But I think I already know what you're going to say. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, actually, you might be wrong. Oh, okay. I might say nasturtiums and it's because I'm also obsessed with them for a couple of reasons. And I'll tell you after why I think, but they're kind of spicy. Um, and that's kind of me, like peppery. They're also soft. Like I'm a soft little kitten inside, but I can be super spicy and kind of like people think I'm a bitch a lot. I'm not gonna lie. It just I'm a businesswoman. Okay, just gotta. <laughs> I just I work hard, and you know what I mean. It's but business. I'm super soft and like welcome people to my space all the time. So it's like that balance of both. And nasturtiums are like so cute and. But they're, they're colorful. Spiky. They're colorful. They're bright. They're spiky. They're <laughs> different sort of curvy they're nice edges. And, nice and peppery and pungent. Mm-hmm. But that's also a fun plant to do like five different cool things with, especially with the seeds. But <sighs> awesome. That's very cool. <laughs> well, I was wrong because I definitely thought you were going to pick Lovage. <laughs> you know, I, I knew you were going to say that. That's why I didn't pick Lovage. Okay? I'm trying to chill out on Lovage. I have a Lovage idea, but I can't share it right now. But just wait. Okay. We'll see. Maybe we can pull it off. I'll tell okay. you later. I would love that. That's you um, also offer on your website. I just checked it because um, I love seeing, you know, I'm a preservation gal. So I love seeing all of the um, things that you have in your farm pantry. So I just wanted people to know that, that a lot of times they should check that. I think right now you don't have much for sale probably because you're getting ready to start, to start hosting things, but yeah. yeah. Um, So yeah, once we have things growing and then I could utilize stuff from the farm, we just do small batch stuff. So like one week I might make like 68 ounce lovage pestos. Um, and then some like little Sancho blend, you know, Japanese spice blend. Um, 
there's a bunch of pickles in there, but I do quickles because they sell so fast and I'm not going to waste my time jarring and canning things. Um, yeah, a bunch of stuff. Butters, like a nasturtium caper butter, I think is on there. Um, I'm trying to remember because it's all last year's stuff. Yeah, usually have salts too and um, yeah. like the syrups and stuff. There, there's yeah. just always really fun stuff that, you know, people couldn't really get anywhere other than from you. So it's it's really a cool thing that people should check on your site. Thank you. Like, yeah, yeah. We, we do a lot of the pickled coriander seeds too, like the fresh green coriander seeds and um, the nasturtium capers as well. And, and you have a CSA, not just a plant CSA. Don't you have a regular CSA as well? Yeah. Um, we, we talked about it. Small. It's only 40 members and we sold out within a couple weeks. So that's already taken care of. Um, it's kind of interesting going from being like a, like we farmed for restaurants for so many years, you know, and like for 30 restaurants. And now we only have a handful left, which is fine. It actually is kind of cool to kind of pivot and start selling produce to the public um, it was just really awesome to see how grateful people were when they come to the farm and pick up their orders last year. And it made me decide that moving forward, I want to continue CSA, um, as an option and, um, stick with just a handful of, you know, the restaurants that have been with us a long time. And, um, we cut out delivery now too. So chefs have to come here, which they love coming here. Cause we get to shoot the shit and they get to check out what else is in the, in the farm that for next week or something, but we did a lot of pivoting and a lot of things that are just changing up, even catering. Like we, we do cater a lot, but I, the public events are more important to me. Like the BIPOC and queer markets, the monthly brunches and dinners, stuff like that, but we'll still fit in a wedding or two during those summer and fall months. But uh, I've learned that the farm could float without the catering company. And I never thought that could ever happen before. Yeah, it's interesting for everyone Good. to kind of learn all of those different things as they, you know, are figuring out this new world. But sometimes I do feel like it's some of it is for the better because it's like you're realizing what really is important to you. Like, it's like the decisions are now being made instead of them being financial, they're being made like emotionally what's best for you and your business. I hear, I'm hearing that from a lot of our makers and it sounds like that for you too. Like you realize the things that you care about yeah. and what you want to do and what you like to do and that it's possible to do it that way. So I, I love that that has happened. Yeah. yeah. It's easy to get tunnel vision kind of yeah. stuck and then boom, you have to change. Well, it just doesn't feel good. Like self-care should be talked about more in the food industry. Honestly, the food, like, cooking and farming. And when you're doing both, holy shit, like, sorry, I cuss so much. I really am sorry. <laughs> we don't um, mind. <laughs> okay. And, like, it's all those kitchens. <laughs> uh, but honestly, it's something I can't advocate like enough about. It's something I had to learn the hard way. And, you know, like I, you do get tunnel vision and especially when bad things happen in your life, cause they're going to happen. You're going to lose a parent. You're going to, you know, things are going to happen. And unless you stop and breathe and actually take in and feel that trauma, um, instead of working it away or drink it away, like we all do in this industry, mm -hmm. it's going to mess you up even more for the future. And your body's finally going to give out and you're going to start getting all these, like your gut tells you everything. You're starting digestive problems. You're like muscle fatigue. Your body's not going to feel good. Things happen and you got to get that trauma out. And that's one thing I learned after losing my dad almost 10 years ago. It just, it took me, it was a five year, 
lesson that I just did not learn um, until I just, my body couldn't handle it anymore. And that's stuff that I never really shared at the time because I had too much pride. Like, oh yeah, I'm tough. There's, you know, the people know me as like this tough person that keeps going, going and make things happen. I can't show any weakness because that's what I always learned in kitchens is you, you keep going and the way kitchens are run are so messed up. And I hope that changes too. I guess it depends on chef to chef at this point, but I think that's changing now, which has been great. Um, but there's a lot of abuse and it's horrible. So people got to check themselves. That's all I got to say. Cause you do burn out and it doesn't feel good and it affects yeah. a lot of people, not just yourself. Do you have one last piece of advice for our listeners that you'd like to share? Ooh. Oh God. I mean, I, <laughs> I think what I just said was a good one. No, yeah, I, I, I think, mean, yeah, I, I have to say like, I don't know. Anybody that hasn't come by side yard or if you already are part of our family, like we're always here. You're always welcome. The gate's always open. Honestly, I mean that it's like with grief group, just email me, you get on the email list. We have a couple hundred people on there. It's small group gatherings. Um, we all share a meal together and bring food and share and share stories and cry and laugh. And it's just easier over food. So I know COVID has been really tough for some people and that's a form of grief. If you lost an animal, that's a form of grief. Like it doesn't matter. All are welcome. Um, and then same with like all our markets, all of our events, just, you know, I try to provide a space that's safe for everybody, all types of people. So that's what we've always been about since day one. And that's what we're going to keep doing moving forward. I think, um, I love that Stacy, And I think that, um, you really are doing some, something very special with your space and with your existence. And I think every time I go there, I learn something new and feel more connected. And it's like, you know, my background always was social work and then canning and preserving. And so when I very first found your farm, I was like, I think, why haven't I known about this? This is like made for me. I need to be here. And I think a lot of people feel that way when they come and visit. And you are always so wonderful with having, you know, every person that comes, I feel like you greet them with love and you're there for them and people see that. And so I just want to thank you for what you do for the community because I think it's really wonderful. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I feel like if freaking what's that guard what is that Italian place when you're here, your family? Olive Garden? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Wow. <laughs> I wish they, don't, they didn't have that tagline because it's really and I catch myself saying that to people when you're here, your family. And they're like, isn't that Olive Garden? Like, Not just Olive Garden, it's also the side of farm. But I really do mean that because when you come here, you are coming to my like, this is my home, this is my heart. And this is how I grew up. I'm the youngest of seven kids in a big Greek family. Like there was always noise. There's always people around. There's always talking. There's always like delicious food. And we always grew our own food as well. So it's like, this is a reflection of how I was raised. And I want to give that to people too, that maybe don't have that. It's wonderful. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And we want to send people to you directly. So is the best way to find out what you got going on to go to your website? Website or even Instagram, I try to post as much as I can, but I feel like um, that's like the only kind of advertising we do and it works. People are like, we found you on Instagram. We saw your event. So here we are. So yeah, website or Instagram is probably the best. I kind of lag on Facebook because it's just too many things. Yeah, same. <laughs> no big. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. All right. Well, Stacey, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to hear about all the things, wonderful things you're doing and to see you. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Thanks for you having very me. Much. Good to see you both and take care. Thank you. 
We record Missoni and Marshall live every week. You can find us on our favorite on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can DM us on Instagram at Missoni and Marshall. And we will be back next week. Thanks for joining, everybody. Bye. Bye for now. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers, as well as farmers, fisherfolk, and ranchers by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.